0: What I'm going to say today is uh, we're dealing with two things as we come to celebrate uh, our one-year anniversary of our present stewardship program. I wanted to speak to you about serving and also speak to you about giving. But I, I couldn't come up with some great giving message. I want to do what I'm doing today out of Proverbs 3, if you could turn there. But uh, I think in this matter of giving... That the same three things that motivate you to serve, motivate you to give. Has God been merciful to you? Now, if he hasn't, uh, I, you don't have to give him anything. Your problem isn't giving. Your problem is receiving. You need to receive God's mercy that is displayed in Jesus. And we don't want your money. We don't want your money. We don't want anything. We want to give you a free gift. It's like the barbecue Free barbecue. Well, how many of you know it wasn't free? Somebody paid for it. Meet him right here. Meet him. Look around. That guy that still got mustard on his lip, it wasn't him. It was the rest of us. We paid for it, but we said to the community, if you'll come, we'll feed you free. It's just what God says in salvation. If you'll come, I'll give you a feast free, but you got to come. So, mercy is the reason I serve, and it's really the reason I give. Second reason is the mind of God. God so loved that he kept everything he had. No, no, no. God so loved that he gave. Someone says you can uh, give without love, but you can never love without giving. Love, God's kind of love, always moves you to give. So, When you've got God's mindset, uh, you'll want to imitate him. Then God's gifts, as we looked last week, the gifts of the Spirit. And God's gifts, not only spiritual gifts, but prosperity, uh, all that we possess. uh, He's been good to us. He's been very good to us. Give back as a thank you offering to him. Then I want us to go to Proverbs of all places the Lord would lead me. Uh, And I want to see four imperatives, and giving is one of them, but he gives four imperatives for a young man to have a rich life that God planned, the best of lives. The best way you can live is to live the kind of life he tells you in Proverbs 3, and it's under the uh, teaching of a father to a son, but you must know The teaching being passed on is God the Father teaching His sons, and He tells you four things. If you'll do them, He promised you reward. He'll outdo you if you'll do these four things. Are you ready? Uh, That four things out of Proverbs 3. Are you there? Okay. My son... Do not forget my teaching. Isn't that what every father wants to say to his kids? Don't forget what I'm telling you, but let your heart keep my commandments. Well, if I do your commandments, what will it get me? Well, you might live long. Because if you don't, you may have a short-lived life. Because if you don't honor your mother and father according to the commandments, you could have a short life. And the doctor said, we don't know where it came from. He just died in the night. Uh, You you know, see, God's the undertaker, so you better behave. He could arrange your funeral in a moment. Uh, And so he said, length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. The word kindness here is loyal love. It's covenant-keeping love. Uh, You often see it translated loving kindness, steadfast love. This is the word. Let steadfast love, love that makes you loyal, uh, and truth, which has the secondary meaning of reliability, fidelity. Let truth and a loyal kind of love... uh, Keep them bound to you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Well, what will you give me if I do it? So you will find favor and good repute. God will give you favor with people. Uh, and you know what? Look there, In the sight of God and of man. But now I'm going to focus on the next four imperatives. And watch this. Trust in the Lord a little bit. Trust in the Lord when you're going on vacation Uh, or when you just got a raise. Well, that's when you forget the Lord. But He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. But so what? What, what? What comes with it? And he will make your paths straight. Second thing, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Do not be wise in your own eyes. What does it get me? See, it's command, reward. Command, reward. Watch this. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Wow. Wow. There's some of you that need some bone help. Arthritis is eating you up. But he said here, and and the word for body is the word navel. And, And it was talking at the beginning in the embryo, from the core of your being, from the navel to the outward frame of your body, the bones, I will do a healing work in you. That is some remarkable promise. Is it in your Bible? Honor the Lord, third thing, from your leftovers. Only when you're broke. I'll give, Lord, when I'm broke, but the company's making too much money to keep giving you first fruit. I've seen that. Guys make the money, then they change their whole way of how they're going to divvy things up. You, you greedy thief. Uh, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Remember, this is an agricultural culture. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. You mean to tell me if I give to you, Lord, and if I give to you first, you said you will make me have more than I've ever had before because you're going to fill my barns and make my vats run over. I believe that's what he said. Now, some people turn this into a prosperity gospel, which just says, if I give God 10, I expect 100. If, if I'm driving a Ford, I ought to drive a Cadillac. You know, they, they warped it by motive. They're just uh, paying God to get something back. But what's tricky is the principle is when you give to God, he always outgives you in return, and we don't want to warp it and make a prosperity gospel. It has nothing to do with the gospel. It's just God's word. If you give to me, I'll see to it that I return it more than you keep up with. That's what he said. Now, if he's a liar, just scratch that out of your Bible. Taught God in another lie. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Well, let's look at it. Trust in the Lord, and I'll bless you. Fear the Lord, and I'll bless you. Honor the Lord, and I'll bless you. Don't despise the training of the Lord, and I will teach you, and I will bless you. Four commands, four promise rewards. The command, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's a remarkable word, the word here for trust. It meant this way, uh, Brown Driver and Briggs Hebrew lexicon, it's meant this way. Face to the floor, that's the word picture. You're trusting God. Do whatever you want. And it's that graphic. Trust in the Lord. And uh, it has the idea that I will rely on you more than any person thing. I'm at your mercy. I'm laying here. I'm prostrate before you. I'm counting on you. It was used of trusting wrong things like a horse, armies, trusting in Jeremiah, wealth, trusting in human wisdom, trusting in human strength. We all make our alliances. And Israel, when you read Kings and Chronicles, when those kings would get under pressure, they would go make an alliance with a foreign power. They wanted protection. They'd run down to Egypt. They'd run up to Assyria. They'd make an alliance with the Edomites, the Moabites, uh, neighbors that hated the God of Israel. But when the king was scared, you got to make an alliance. And so Solomon, what he do, started marrying all these different women. And it wasn't because he liked to kiss that much. He was making alliances. He's for me. With all these men that could attack you, if I marry one of their daughters, they won't ever attack. Because we'll have children, and he wouldn't want to attack his grandchildren. And so they would run and build their alliances, just like us. When things are tough, we want to run to all kinds of uh, things for security, for endanger. Uh, Where do you run? God said, trust in the Lord, and when He said, with all your heart, the heart is used of like if we use it this way, the heart of the seed, but well, when you say the heart of the seed, you don't think of a pump, and we're talking about your heart in the Bible we're not talking about the pump. you get an artificial heart, and you say, Well, I gave my heart to Jesus, which one the one they took out or the one they put in no." Heart in Scripture is the center and the core of your being. It's the center where you choose, feel, and think. And so when you love God with all your heart, it means with all my intellect, all my emotions, all that I know, I love the God with all my heart, mind, soul, and body. That's with all your heart. Because what happens? our hearts get get divided uh, you'll um for instance, have you ever done this? Have you ever made a decision that your mind said it wasn't the best one, but it felt so good to do it. You did it anyway so who who made you make this split decision? Your emotions you followed emotion a tactile, it felt good uh it looked good on me. You you follow that. But in your mind, you knew, I can't afford it. Uh, I shouldn't be going with this gal, this guy. So you cross all kinds of uh, boundaries uh, saying, uh, It's going to get better. How can it be wrong when it feels so good? Do you know what I'm talking about? Don't be a hypocrite in church. You do know what I'm talking about. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And the word acknowledge here means experience God in all of your life by trusting and obeying. You only experience God when you're trusting God and when you're obeying God. You have all this cognitive knowledge, facts. You can win the Bible quiz contest and not know God. The people who know God are the people who say, I rely on this God. I obey this God when I don't feel like it, when I do feel like it. I am laying down before him. I'm, I'm spread out before him. I am counting on you to come through. And pretty soon you start running around some folks that say, I know him. What do you mean you know him? You've just read another book on him. No. I took him at his word. I did it the way he said. I believed him. I've experienced it for myself. This is the word. To acknowledge him in all. Have you trusted, experienced God in all your life's directions and decisions? That's what he says. Acknowledge him. Experience him in the way you live life. And... What does he say he'll do? Oh, it gives you a warning. By the way, don't lean on your own understanding. Why would you trust a thimble full of knowledge when God's got a notion? Why would you trust? I mean, many of you, just like Irma Bombeck said, she cried when her kids passed their eye test. That's how brilliant they were. I mean, when you can't even balance a checkbook, you're going to trust you for the journey, for life. And you've got omniscience over here saying, I know everything. I know every contingency. I know everything around the bend in your life. I know everything that's going to happen next week. I I know what the medical report's going to say about you. I know what's working in your body right now that's not been detected. I know everything. Matter of fact, I know when the next market's going to crash. I know everything. And you won't, you won't trust me? You're leaning on you? I know it's a nice song, lean on me. But I want to tell you, you'll be disappointed there too. You better lean on him. Lean on the everlasting arms. Lean on the everlasting arms. Because the arm of flesh will fail you. And God won't let it fail you enough so you get the hint. I am to be your leaning post. Lean on me. Have you ever experienced it? You've heard it preached to you. You may have seen it in Scripture, but have you yet experienced I'm trusting, I'm relying, I'm depending, and I'm going to do it his way. When you've done it that way, then you begin to know God. You know him for yourself. And notice what he says he'll do. Uh, Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And that is a uh, synonym. I'll make your way. It's used two ways. Either smooth, I'll remove the obstacles, or successful. Uh, I'll get you where you need to go. If you you take me as your partner and trust, I will see that your path will succeed and that your path will get you right where you need to be. Second thing you need to do is fear the Lord. Look what he says fear the Lord. Uh, we don't know what that means. Uh, fear of the Lord is used different ways. There is, I'm scared to death of the Lord, uh, and that's legitimate. But it has a meaning that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 1.7. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. And right here he says, watch, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It's interesting. What you think of God should determine what you think about evil. Knowing God has an ethical implication. I fear God, but I'm a cheat. I fear God, but I lie to the tax man. I fear God, but I'm living with a woman I won't marry. I fear God. No, you don't. You only fear a God you will obey. And this word fear of the Lord was used of obedience, obedience, Submission, serving, uh, loving. It was a synonym. It was used so many times. The fear of the Lord was equal to love. And it means to revere him in such a way you treat him with holy reverence. And he said, the counterpart is, when you're fearing the Lord, you're turning from evil. And guess what? You quit being a wise acre. You quit being wise in your own eyes. Look at Proverbs 28. I didn't read it for the word on trust, but look what a, uh, characterizes a fool. Not that you're looking for more info. Said I'm living with some, or whatever. Uh, 28, 26. He who trusts... In his own heart is an American. Ain't nobody telling me what to do. I'm a Marlboro man. How long have you had cancer? I trust what I can do with these two hands and now this... He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. We can't get people to trust God, but they sure trust themselves. You can't talk them out of a wrong opinion. If they think it, it's got to be right because they're unteachable. And here's what he says here. Fear the Lord. Don't be wise in your own eyes. And is it not a waste of time to teach someone that's unteachable? They're so conceited, that they can't take in any new info. They, they No. I uh, they, So it's just the opposite. Conceit, um, autonomy, nobody tell me. It's just the opposite. The fear of the Lord makes you teachable. And then he said, here's the reward of it, and it's very strange. Look at this. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Isn't that interesting? The danger is don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. And here's the reward. God will psychosomatically heal you. Psychosomatic is made of two words. Psycho, thinking of the mental part of you. Somatic is the Greek word soma for body. So it's mind body the relation and did you know your body could be very healthy but your mind can talk you into a nervous breakdown your mind can keep you from going to sleep at night can, did you realize if we could just get a pharmaceutical just to give us the income off of two hours out of one day in which they sell tranquilizers Sleep aids, anxiety medicine, Valium. Uh, what else am I taking? Let's see. Uh, <laughs> y- y- you know, uh, that, that they can uh, just just to skip me. I, I, I'm a wreck. I, I got to have it. And they get it, and they're living on pills, they're popping pills. All the time. Take one to get high, take one to get low. Just, I mean, we are drug culture, and legitimately and illegally, Americans are hooked on something to get me going, get me to sleep, get me this. You know, at seven p.m., I want melatonin. What else have I I've tried? Uh, different stuff. It's all over the place. I want to tell you, they're not putting anything in a bottle that can give you peace. Peace of mind. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Psalms 119, 165. Isaiah 26.3, thou will keep, and in the Hebrew it says, shalom, shalom, because that intensifies it. You will keep in shalom, shalom, prosperity, health, Physical fitness, him whose mind is stayed on Jehovah. You fear me, you vertically get right with me, I'll give you a piece that doesn't come in a bottle. I can heal your body, I can heal your mind. That's what he says. It's right there. I didn't make this up. See it. I will heal your body and I'll bring refreshment to your bones. And he's using this physical. From your core of your being, from that navel that began the embryo, from the core of you, right out to your bones, I can just come all over you and give you peace, tranquility, because you got me in the right place. And when the war alerts come and when this alert, you know, I was saved in the 50s. And, boy, in Richmond, everything was fallout, shelter, Sputnik. The Russians are coming being a war town, you know the shipyards. Uh, the war—when's the next war coming? Uh, and then it was the Cold War. And as a kid, boy, I ran scared. We had so many uh, fire drills and sirens and getting under our desks. You know, the, the enemy's coming. The enemy's coming. And living there in a war town, I, I used to be—I used to think many a night, even when I was a thirteen-year-old or four. Uh, When's the next war coming? Uh, Are they going to push the button from Russia? Will an atomic bomb hit? It seems kind of silly to you. I haven't worried 51 years about them pushing the button. Because if they push and it hits in San Francisco... The worst thing that can happen is I'd be killed. <laughs> After you kill me, what you gonna do? I'm gonna be with him forever. And saying, "Don't for fifty-one years, don't be trying to steal my peace." God's been tranquilizing me for fifty-one years. Says, "You got me, don't you?" No, oh, it's too deep for you. You don't have to get into it. I, you know, I think of how much money folks pay for alarm system. My dad used to say he'd just soon have Psalms 4-8 and a double-barrel shotgun and a bulldog. L- look at it. You don't know. It, it, if you read this verse and believe it, you might cancel your security system. i have keep in mind because I live in Rodale. Uh, listen what it says. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, plus my security system, and Excedrin PM, make me dwell in safety. Who you? Who? Who's the you? I just get the alarm system because the economy's in trouble. But they ain't the one keeping me through the night. Because if the thief wants you in, he'll get in. Oh, you got a gun? I hate to tell you this, he does too. Have you ever seen you with a gun unconscious? Because remember, you just popped a P.M. Remember, you just drank half a gallon of NyQuil. You got that gun right there. I, I'm protecting myself. Uh, honey, a kid could take you over. But you're paying the bill anyway. He says, you know, to my people, if you will fear me, you don't have to be afraid of people. If you fear me, I'm enough. Honor me. Revere me. And I'll do something to your help. And... uh Nobody, you know, I often think of what my wife went through when she had a cancer diagnosis. Nothing we could do. I couldn't do it. I didn't know of anybody. No one was able to give her peace except in the night, reading the Psalms, the Spirit of God. How many of you? You've been there? Nobody gave you peace? And he gave you peace. And that's what he's saying. Fear me, and I'll give you peace. Third thing. Honor the Lord from your leftovers. Oh, uh, honor the Lord from your wealth. Well, I, if I was wealthy, I'd do it. Well, how'd you get to church today? Have a car? People in our country uh, barely make it on 30000 a year. You're, you're below the poverty line, most likely. But in comparison with the rest of the world and even the world of the Bible, uh, so far ahead, so far ahead in economics. And he says, honor the Lord. And let me just tell you what the word honor here means. It's the word to give God glory. But it was this way, to esteem a person as having value, to esteem a person as having value. I want to honor you. Because you're a person of value. I esteem you. And if you honor the Lord, He, he doesn't let them guess on how to do it. He said, Honor me with the first fruits. And read Exodus 22 23, Deuteronomy 18, Proverbs 3. Just look up in the concordance first fruits. He told Israel, I want the first of all your herds, all your flocks, all your produce. I want your firstborn son. Every firstborn son, they had to pay a ransom fee at the temple to get them back. Because God said, hey, I spared your firstborn sons down in Egypt. So you got to buy them back. What is first fruits? What's it about? Three things. God says, I want the first because I want you to treat me like I'm first. That's not too hard, is it? I want to be first. I want to be first in your life. First in gratitude. First in who you want to honor. No, no, other, um, no other rivals. Me first. God. And so I said, First fruits as I come first. Two, give me the best. And he qualifies that in Exodus. The best of your crops. Well, how do you raise a crop? Well, you, you put a seed. It's got to germinate. But who guarantees the rain when you don't have dams uh, and survive like California does in this Mediterranean weather? Hey, that snowpack keeps us going. But not Israel. It's got to come right down from heaven. Without the rain, we're not going to make it. We're not going to have a crop. Who kept the pestilence away? Who kept the locusts away? Uh, You know, they didn't have insecticide in the Bible, they didn't have miracle grow. The only miracle was God. And you mean you wouldn't want to give me the best and the first when I'm the one that gave you the whole crop? I am just amazed. At how long is taking some believers to practice this? And you know why it is? Uh, they're not knowing God. They're not experiencing God. They just got a dab of religion, and they come down and they tip, but they don't do, you're not doing what God said. Uh, you just grab it in there and throw it in two bucks. That is an insult. Why don't you figure out what the first fruit is? I think it, it, for us, it's simple. I think it'd be the first money you dispense for the month. Is that real hard on you? It's just, whatever I get, this paycheck, the first part of it, and God took the guesswork out for Israel. He said, start with 10%. And we got all this rationalization why we go less, we do that. If you don't like 10%, do 11 Grace is always more than law. The law said 10. Why don't you jump it to 11? Some of you ought to be given 15. You've got that kind of wealth. Uh, You've got more money left than you ever realized. And, and some of you have never raised the percentage or the amount for years. Because you're, you're not thinking about honoring God. You're just thinking, get him off my back. I don't want to be bugged. Or I need a good tax write-off. What a big motivation. I wouldn't do it if it weren't for taxes. Well, you you may get a tax break, but you haven't honored the Lord. God's not even in it. If, if, if it's a strain do you, keep it. Don't, don't do it. You know, I, I had a little experience. It, it's very incidental. But I last week, since I still am in the child-rearing years, with a great-grandson, four years old, sharp as a tack, and and is already a CEO in his mind. We just work for him. Uh, Strong personality, and uh, the typical single-parent thing. Single parents don't know. They're usually so inconsistent on discipline. They want him as their friend. And yet they've got to be the bad cop and good cop. Makes it good if you have a husband and wife. Us men are usually the bad cop. The mama's the good cop. And we got to boom, hit him. Well, in that, uh, he came out in the morning, and he was upset about something. And boy, that, that lip can drop all the way to his knee. And he's just like that and everything. So I'm there eating breakfast, and He always gives me a hug first thing in the morning. A lot of times we pray together. So I said, AJ. I said, oh, uh, get over here. I I need my morning hug. He said, like that, like that. Mm -mm, mm -mm." And so being the kind, merciful uh, grandfather that I am, I said, I'm giving you five. You get over here. If you don't do it, I'm (laughs) going to give you a spanking. And it was like that. And so it came down. He was in no mood. And so uh, I was going to have to spank him. And then it just hit me. And I told him, I said, oh, no, 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 AJ. Grandpa's wrong. I will never force you to hug me. That's not right. If it's not in your heart, Grandpa doesn't want it. I'll always hug you, but you don't have to hug me. It was only when I withheld breakfast (laughs) that I got a hug. But you see, forced love is no love. God's not a cosmic rapist. He, he'd come down and strip you of everything you've got. He didn't want to do that. That's not, that's not honoring him. He's got the muscle. He'd take everything you've got, right? There's not anything you've got he really needs. He, he'd been running the universe a long time without us. And I repented. I said, no, no, A.J., it is not right to want to threaten you for a non-affection. You're in a bad way. You and Mom have had it out, and Grandpa's wrong. You just hear me, I'm wrong. I'll never do that to you again. I think of God and giving. Giving can be just one of those sensitive nerves in your church life unless you love the God I'm asking you to give to. If you don't love him, boy, this would really be sick. Why are you asking me to give something to someone I don't love? And so he's saying to this young man, I'm assuming you're trusting this God. You're fearing this God. This is the God that's made your path straight and smooth. This is the God giving you all the uh, psychological, physical healing and strength you've got. Uh, This is the God that promises, if you give to me, I'll make your barns run over. I'll make your vats run over. I'm not asking you to give yourself into poverty. I'll give you back more than you'll ever be able to contain. I just want you to honor me. Why don't you give to me? Giving's about loving and honoring God. It's not about us being able to browbeat you and to write out an envelope. Keep it. I've seen people, oh, I tithe. I pay those tithes. I've been around people like that. But I never heard them say, I love this God. Are you trying to buy some insurance? God would rather you say, I love you, Lord. This isn't much, but this is the first fruit. This is the best I can give, and I'm giving it as a thank you offering. And that's what you've been doing the last year because we've come in the last few years out of great financial crises. We were in red ink, deep, over a quarter of a million. Our deacons and elders led you all, gave a first fruit offering one Sunday morning. And, uh, and that offering, I forget, before it was all over, around $300,000 came in. But you people rallied this past year. We paid off a third of our commitments. You've also, 80 of you signed up to start helping us to be weekly givers. So our general fund, so I dread a holiday like this because our general fund giving takes a big hit uh, unless God moves someone to help us. Uh, we need $45,000 a week just to clear budget. That's just for a general fund. Uh, then we've got an agape fund. Then we support missionaries. Uh, then we've got a building we're paying. We owe $4.4 4 on a building that I don't want to pay on it forever. Uh, I, I, I'm not in love with buildings. They're nice. But there's other ministries I would like to do besides buying the bank or another car. The interest they're going to make we could take that money and channel it into so much more ministry. but it take a miracle and our name of our campaign is it's mission possible because when God's your partner nothing's impossible. See, and we're looking to God, you provide. Well, let's go to the fourth thing, then we'll let you go out and boogie for the holiday. My son, Do not reject the discipline of the Lord. Or loathe, despise his reproof. Um, Discipline means training. God's training of you. And his reproof is verbal rebuke or correction. And he says, don't, don't despise what God is trying to teach you. See, we're all born as children of God in a moment in the family. But it takes years for you to start acting like a son. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, I think everybody loves a well-behaved child. You hope it carries over to adulthood. But you know something? I don't think all children are born well-behaved. I know yours were, but not most. Otherwise, they have to be trained. They have to be taught table manners. Uh, They've got to be taught to stand up in the room when adults come in and get all the technology out of their ear. Uh, They've got to be taught values, behavior, acceptable ways to communicate. They've got to be taught they don't get to yell and scream at their mother because there's a father in charge that will stand up to the boy and say, You don't talk to your mama that way. You have to teach it. Now I'm generational, aren't I? That's why all the young people are gone. They couldn't take this. Because I grew up with the rod. Well behaved children are wonderful. But every one of us like to talk about the spankings, and they were all undeserved. We know that. But see, the product is what we love. People like my child, or they like the son we gave the world, the daughter we gave the world. And God is saying here, I, uh, you got me for your father when you got to know me, when you start fearing me, trusting me, honoring me. I want to tell you something. For life, you've got me as your mentor, And I'm going to teach you some hard things that you don't want to learn that will not be a native to your personality, will not be innate to the way you live life. You've got a hot head, and I'm going to teach you. Uh, You've been a womanizer. You've been a thief. You've been a filthy mouth person. You've been disrespectful to authority. You've uh, You've got all this stuff that came into my family when you were born again, and guess who's going to mentor you and teach you, and I'm going to leave my handprints all over your life. Because I want to teach you how sons act. And some days you're going to to just try to throw it off. You don't love me, God. Uh, You don't love me, and I hate you. Uh, Of course, I grew up, you can never say that, because it would be your last words. At least he said it in the neighborhood. And he said to them. And and nobody ever. I don't know that I ever went up and said, "Oh, Dad, I'm so thankful for the spanking. I've been praying for it because I need to correct that." You kidding? No, you never thank the parent for discipline. You always said, "Oh man, they were stricter." Ooh, they did. I even see kids growing up. I know people said, "Well, I, I turned out better, but my folks just didn't discipline enough." Oh, me. Oh. You want a catch up course, honey? And God is saying here people don't always respond to his training. And he uses this in Hebrews 12 to persecute it, discourage Christians. He said, Hey, hey, wait. Uh, don't be despairing in what you're learning and what God's got on the curriculum for you. Uh, the father is holding class with you. You've got a father when you, when you know God, not a passive, not an abusive father, and not a big club God. Remember, this God it cost him his son to even make you his child. So never accuse him of being child abuse. Now he steps in there, and he wants you to know. Uh, by the way. I love everybody that I reprove, I verbally correct. And as a father corrects a son whom he delights, that's why I correct you. So I'm to ask you this. Uh, what has God taught you? Let's just apply it to our giving emphasis. Uh, has God tr- uh, taught you to trust him about giving? Are you still rationalizing that's the church doctrine and not the Bible doctrine? Yeah, unless you hear it from God, you won't ever do it. But you, you're you going to miss out because the rewards won't be yours either. If you don't buy the obedience, you won't buy the rewards. You won't get it. You just won't. He'll let you stay miserable. I've never known a happy, stingy Christian. And if you're miserable, half your problems, you're stingy. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? You better kind of smile right now so you look good. Act like you believe it. Uh, has God taught you to give? How many of you, when you started out, you were nothing but stingy, uh, holding on to it, yeah, yeah, me, 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 and he, he is the one that's tenderly taught you. Why don't you honor me? Two, uh, have you learned to trust him just to rely on him? Or or do you think he's giving up on you right now? Don't, Don't lose heart. He can never give up on one of his own. He's, he's going to stay with you. Uh, and givers, they've been taught by God. Uh, none of us want a purple heart. Oh, I, I just always was a giver. No, I wasn't. I, I always trusted. No, I didn't. Where did you learn it? My father patiently, kindly just brought it and turned it into one of the most joyful things and let me tell you what I can say for this part of my journey. I've experienced every reward, he said. He's made my barns overflow. He's brought me mental, psychological health and peace that you can only go in knowing him. He's made my path straight. Carolyn and I were talking recently. My family, if you hear a lot of amen, going to be my family and I... We were just having coffee in the morning. I said, you know, honey, hasn't he been good to us? Yes, yes. I said, I just feel like Mr. Magoo who found the shepherd. And, uh, you know, Mr. Magoo, he's walking off into the building. Another piece of steel comes. He walks on that. He's going off, and boom, another piece, and boom. And, or I feel like Pink Panther. We've incarcerated my boss. He's gone insane. And I've just been nominated as the top detective for London. And everything was accidental. See, when God is your shepherd, and when you don't rely on your own slickness, your wisdom, your savvy, I know how to survive. No, I don't. No, I don't. They're smarter than me. They're stronger than me. Well, how did you make it? I feared the Lord. And he said, I'll make your path succeed. And no one can harm you because they've got to go through me. When I went to Richmond High, I'd had all my fighting going up through Helms. Then I got saved, ninth grade. But when I got to Richmond High, all the fighting pecking orders start all over again. Everybody wants a piece of your hide. So one day, an African-American boy didn't know me. I grew up with the Parjester boys. They already knew me. I knew I wasn't afraid to fight. But I become a Christian. And I remember Richmond High when this guy started shoving me around in PE and wanted to take me out, you know. And I said, and I'm packing a New Testament every day to school. And I said, oh, I'm not afraid of you, but I just don't fight anymore. I just, you know, like I was a threat before, but I just don't fight. And, uh, and all of a sudden, about the second period after that, Uh, Richard Dotson came looking for me. And his daddy, pastor out in Richmond, came looking up and had been in golden gloves himself. And uh, I went to school with his brother, Whitney. And uh, Richard came up and said, Hey, I I hear one of the bros are the piece of your hide. I said, Yeah, he pushed me around and did this and that. And I said, But I just said, yeah, Since I met Jesus, I don't have the ability to fight anymore because you gotta want to hurt somebody. I don't want to hurt them. He said, well, "Well, get get this out on the street, okay? Yeah, what is it?" He said, "I take all your fights." And then a big tall white boy stepped up. He said, "Well, let him take the uh, black boys. I'll take the white boys." I said, "We got a deal. We just took hands." I said, "We got a deal." <laughs> And so anybody mess with me, Richard, I say, go see Richard. Go see this. And when I went around across that graduation, there was no scuff marks. There was no marks. Poor Richard was still healing up from something. (laughs) So I want to tell you, God can take care of you. Don't get discouraged. God bless you. You're dismissed.